listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Bauckham. Welcome to the Save the Marriage podcast. This is crazy for me to think. We are well into the 300s episodes now. I've been doing this for quite a while, putting out an episode a week for, what, over 300 weeks now, 320-some weeks. We've been downloaded now over 3 million times from around the world. Just kind of blows my mind about the capacity we have now of getting information in so many different ways. I listen to podcasts on a regular basis when I'm walking in the morning. I always tune into a couple of podcasts, and I'm always looking for those places that help me change, and that's why I bring you the episodes the way I do. I try to time the episodes so that they're about 18 to 25 minutes, unless they're an interview, and sometimes the interviews go on longer, just so we can make sure we get in that information. But what I'm trying to do is give you a nugget, get you a piece of information that's going to help you. Now, sometimes you're going to tune in and say, well, that doesn't quite apply to me. And then other times it's going to be dead on. One of the things I've noticed, though, is sometimes people don't think it applies to them. And then it suddenly does. Because this is an ever-changing process as you're working to save your marriage. It really doesn't matter where you are in that process. There are some underlying dynamics, some pieces of information that are going to apply across the board. And that's the thing I try to cover. How do we understand what's going on and how do I give you a kind of a coherent piece-by-piece way of moving through that? Now, to tell you, the Save the Marriage system is kind of the place where I put a whole system together step-by-step right through the process. It's kind of why I started this podcast because I wanted to make sure people understood what I'm saying so they can decide what they think about the system. So if you're interested in the system, go to savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. But today we're going to be talking a little bit about space. I'm answering questions, and today I'm answering a question about space. So as you know, we've been talking about questions that people have, questions that listeners have. And that's where we're coming in today when we're talking about this issue of space. So I hear it very often. A lot of people kind of misunderstand what space is, and, and yet they hear that. You know, a spouse says, hey, give me some space. So the first thing I want you to understand about space is when you can't manage the space, the other person is going to manage it for you. Your spouse is going to manage it for you. And the way they manage it is by creating more distance. So often what happens is people progress from wanting emotional space to demanding physical space. And that physical space can continue to be pushed until the person actually is out the door. And that's what we're trying to avoid. So I had a couple of questions, and it says, are giving space and trying to make a connection again opposites? So let's just talk about the potentials here. So first of all, understand that space feels safe when you feel safe with that other person. But space begins to feel unsafe when there's a level of disconnection. You can probably think about it yourself. When you feel close to someone, you want to be closer But let's say that somebody doesn't feel close, maybe even feels like there's something of a threat. 
whatever level of threat that, that may be. I mean, certainly if somebody feels physically threatening, we keep our distance, but sometimes we feel some need for emotional space, emotional distance. And you can think about that in the rest of your life. If you've got somebody that you know, an acquaintance at work that maybe tries too hard, pushes too hard, maybe makes you a bit uncomfortable, you probably keep your distance, whether physically or relationally. So physically, you may just avoid the other person. Relationally, you may decide that you're not going to engage too much in a conversation and maybe you're not going to share too much. Maybe you're going to avoid going too deep. Well, that's the same kind of thing that happens. The same thing, the same wiring is there. You understand that our wiring as humans is across the board in how we manage ourselves. A, we all need some level of connection, and B, we all need some level of safety and security. Our level of connection and our level of safety and security have a certain rhythm to them. When we feel more safe, we can connect more. When we connect more, we feel more safe. Conversely, when we feel unsafe, we disconnect. And when we disconnect, we feel unsafe. So that brings us to this whole question about space. So if you just imagine for a moment uh, this idea of space, just imagine there's like a, a fishbowl, right? If you go in and look, you've got a fishbowl. Let's say you have one at your house and, you know, maybe it's your, your child's and they have a goldfish in it, right? The fishbowl is solid. The fishbowl is made of glass or plastic or whatever. It's solid and rigid. It's not going anywhere. So imagine that you put two puffer fishes into that tank, if you know about pufferfish, they'll puff up when they feel threatened. They'll puff up, and they take up space when they puff up. So imagine a couple of combinations that could happen with that uh, pufferfish. One, with the two in there, one of them can puff up, and the other has to move away. And it's possible that the one who puffs up always stays puffed up, always is needing more space because they feel unsafe or they feel like they need more attention or, or something. They're, they're puffing up, right? And, and so the other fish has to kind of stay away and stay unpuffed. And that's one rhythm that often happens with couples where one person takes up more emotional space. They need uh, more attention or they need to express themselves more or um, they need more energy, and so they take up more emotional space in that bowl. But remember, the bowl is only a certain size. And then the other one has to, therefore, take up less space. Another pattern is that neither one take up any space, neither one puff up. And there has to be some level of puff to all of us. All of us need some level of connection. And so when both puffer fishes are completely deflated and staying away from each other, that's just disconnection where there's so much disconnection, they don't even get close to each other. There are some marriages like that, and they are disconnected relationships. I've had people come into my office and say, you know, we're, we're married, but really in name only. We really don't have anything to do with each other. We have our separate lives. We don't interact. Interestingly enough, I've had several of those who started at that position who ended up with very loving, satisfying relationships once they realized that there was actually a way to go about the connection that both of them could feel safe about. Both of them could find some way through their disconnection and maybe puff a bit, be closer to each other. But that's another pattern that's possible. There's also a pattern where both people 
are constantly puffed up and they're poking into each other. That's the puffer fish part. They poke into each other because they're so puffed up that their spines are out and they just keep pushing into each other. In that case, it's a fairly volatile relationship. Lots of energy, but not much love there. It's just a lot of energy trying to kind of make your point or demand things. And so it ends up looking often like a very energized, angry relationship. That's another option. Then there are the times when there is some puffing that happens on each side. When one needs more attention, they puff up a little bit to get closer to the other one. Not so much that the spines come out, but... They just take turns taking up that space. In healthy relationships, we kind of take turns taking up that space. And there are sometimes in relationships where they go to such extremes that one can take up huge amounts of space, alternating with the other, and they go back and forth. And that's okay until suddenly both try to take up space and they spike each other. So I need space is basically saying you need to move away. You need to move away from me. That could be emotional could be verbal, could be physical, but that is a place of trying to find some difference, some, some distance between you that feels safe to the person. Now, here's the thing. Some people respond to disconnection by creating an extreme level of distance and trying to maintain it. Others want to recapture that connection. If you're a part of this process, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably not the one trying to distance. You're trying to be the one to draw closer. But you may be doing that with someone who wants some distance. And that's where we have this struggle. So the fact is there are ways we can try to connect that can feel very needy and very desperate And there are actually ways that we can connect that don't feel quite so needy. And that's what we're trying to manage. So they are not opposites. To answer the question, giving space and trying to make a connection again are not opposites. It's how you go about trying to reestablish the connection. If you go at it from a needy perspective where you're grabbing, trying to get the connection from the other person, it's going to feel like you're crowding the space. If you make offers for connection, if you try to give connection, give support, that can feel less like an invasion of space. And we do it in subtle ways. I can walk up to someone and say, hey, I love you. And it be all I'm trying to do is, is tell them a statement. But I could also walk up to, uh, to someone and say, hey, I love you. And you'll notice a little question on the end. Or... Think about when we hug somebody, not because we want to give them a hug, but because we want to get a hug from them. Many times I watch people say, hey, will you give me a hug? Hey, will you give me a kiss? I want something from you. They're looking for reassurance. We all look for reassurance. The question is whether it's the time to look for reassurance or whether it becomes invasive. So sometimes even in our physical actions, we try to draw the connection from somebody else, which feels needy. As opposed to if I just went up to someone and gave them kind of a little hug and said, hey, just want to let you know I love you, and walk off, right? So there are ways that we can connect that aren't so invasive. Now, in my VIP program, I actually have a whole training on my tools of connection, including how to text and how to uh, create some uh, times to be together and, and some other ways of doing things that don't feel needy, that don't pull at the other person. So it's tools of connection designed specifically not to invade space. 
So those are lots of ways to do that. But to answer the question, it really isn't opposites. It's to make sure you understand that connection that you're trying to do is give connection while you're giving space, not getting connection while you're invading space. That's the danger point. So the next question is, does it make a difference if they are still actively having an affair? Well, it doesn't make any difference in the fact that the other person gets to set the parameters. The spouse gets to set the parameters of space. You have to honor what somebody says in terms of space. If they say, hey, you can't call me, or maybe you can't call me at these times, you have no choice but to manage that, but to allow that, because that's their boundary. Maybe they say, you can't come by the house. You have to you know, follow that because when people set their level of space, I'm not talking now practically, if you push against that, I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong. I'm just saying if you push against that, they will take the next step in taking more space. And so when somebody asks for some space, yeah, you have to give that space. An affair is when somebody is getting their connection from another person. So yes, there are some places that that, because they're already getting their kind of their connection load somewhere else, they may have substituted for what they weren't getting in the marriage, they're trying to now get it from outside. So that's the danger uh, and and also the threat of a marriage. Now I'll go into depth on this in my book, uh, Recovering from the Affair, which you can find at theaffairbook.com, theaffairbook.com. I talk about you know, kind of what fuels that, why it's going on, and, and what difference it makes, and how do you move beyond that? How do you confront that? How do you heal from that? But I just want to be clear that it really doesn't make a difference in terms of the space when they're in an affair, because here is an important thing to understand. You're not competing with the affair. That's not what you're up against. You're up against where the relationship has been. The affair is a symptom of the disconnection that's been in the relationship. There, there is an exception, and that has more to do with addiction. But other than that, it has more to do as a symptom of a disconnected relationship where somebody didn't hold the boundaries, didn't set the boundaries that are appropriate in a relationship. In terms of space, though, not a big difference. Okay, so then it says, how do you reconnect while giving your spouse space? And you say, and what would that look like? Okay, so that's a very long conversation because you need to understand the tools of that. Um, That's an extended process. Uh, And it starts with an apology that is not begging. It's not uh, trying to uh, invade that space accidentally. Um, It's also about how you interact with that spouse and how you move towards them. So the best thing to do um, is if you um, don't have my system is to grab the system, the Save the Marriage system at savethemarriage.com. I'm going to offer you a free week of my VIP program. Sign up for that. Go straight to the resource area and straight to the tools of connection uh, and take all the training there to understand how to do that. There's just lots of training that's there, more than I could cover on a podcast, but you do want to understand how to do that very specifically. Now, if you do have uh, the Save the Marriage system and you passed on VIP, you can still join VIP and learn all about space. I have a whole set of training in there, an extended training session on understanding what space is, why it's important, how you manage it, and what you do about that, plus those tools of connection. So some great resources specifically around space. 
If you don't have uh, my system, go to savethemarriage.com. You do need to understand Save the Marriage in order to move into VIP. Um, That's a prerequisite for that. And then if you uh, still need to, you can join VIP by going to savethemarriage.com slash VIP. If you want coaching on how to deal with that, go to savethemarriage.com slash coaching And we can walk you through this and help you understand that and coach you through how to connect in your specific situation. But don't let space be a scary place where you either get desperate to make connection and therefore invade the space, or you just avoid it completely. There are ways to understand both connection and space that don't put them as opposites, and you need to do that if you want to save your marriage. Okay, again, starting point, savethemarriage.com. That's where you grab my system, savethemarriage.com. Do grab my free week of VIP when I offer it and get busy with those tools of connection and the extended training on understanding space. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com. Thank you.